Lately, there are a few key phrases that when I hear them cause me some level of quiet panic. I didn't know these would be an issue for me as I got older, but here we are. Some of these troubling statements include... Will you feel comfortable speaking in Spanish? The captain has informed us that there's some rough air ahead. We're going to do a group activity. 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 Side note, a similar panic response occurs with the use of the words breakout rooms. But recently, the one that's caused the highest level of dread has been any variation on the phrase, Yasmin tagged you in a photo. The problem in that statement isn't Yasmin. She's fine. You could substitute Yasmin for Tyler or Juan Carlos or Chanel. The name doesn't matter. And the most important word in that statement might not even be photo. It's actually the word tagged. When Yasmin tags me in that post, there's a mystery there that I don't enjoy. My head asks, what do I look like in it? And how are others going to see me? I have a version of what I look like in my head. And today, photos and videos are everywhere. Just like you, I can't seem to escape them. And it's been messing with an imagined version I have of myself. I promise I'm not starting a back-in-my-day rant. But back in my day, it was pretty intentional to get your picture taken. Besides events or rituals like class picture day, someone had to make the effort to bring a camera. And most of the time, the photo itself remained a mystery because someone had to, in so many words, produce it. I had to go to CVS, get it developed, and physically present it so you could see how we looked standing in line to see The Phantom Menace. Yep, hopeful and geeky like so many other faces. Here's how you can relive a good time over and over again. See it, big as life in full color slides. The thing is, in that time, we had perhaps more control on how the world remembered us. Not having a public online record of a style trend that you'd like to keep buried in the past. Focus, snap. It's as easy as that. Like hoping no one would remember your backwards cap limp biscuit era. Maybe a goatee period which was mercifully halted when friends had an intervention and convinced you that it looked too pervy. Or for men like Danny and myself, a record of our fight with male pattern baldness. Danny Ortiz and I have a few similarities. We share a fondness for pop stars like Janet Jackson, we like to dance, and we started losing our hair at the same age. For Danny and I, we were robbed of a future with healthy locks. I don't know about all of you who have lost your hair, but this? Uh-uh. This was not supposed to happen to us. Our identity was in our hair. I was told repeatedly, oh, you're so lucky. You're going to have a thick, full head of hair forever. Like when my mom was shopping for makeup and I would sit, every lady would stop and like they just would touch it and feel it. 
I remember kids at school, we would put things in my hair, like pencils and pens, and they would just stay there. We would see how many we could get in, and I think one day we hit like 16. When Danny and I spoke, he brought some pictures from his childhood. And from that way back when time, that time when photos were taken with a camera and sunscreen never had to be applied to the top of our heads, Danny showed me an archive of his curly-haired salad days. That's more hair than most guys have, Yeah, right? exactly. Like, we are dealing with a substantial, thick, curly hair. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like a Roman coin. <laughs> I don't know. Danny's hair was glorious. Poster boy, teen idol glorious. If you need an iconic, curly-haired example, think Cruel Intentions era Ryan Phillippe. This is my senior picture from my yearbook. So this would be like styled, probably with a little bit of that like mousse frizzies combo that I had found. Wow. Now that's 32 pencils. (laughs) I'm going to use the word luxurious. What was the imagined story of Danny's hair at 30 or 40? I was excited for the prospect of like at the high school reunion, waltzing in there and (laughs) no idea if I'd be successful, rich, happy, but I was going to have a full head of hair. I imagined it would be competitive when I had it and others didn't. When did you start noticing the hair loss? You want the day, the hour, (laughs) the minute? Danny does know exactly when he had this life-changing discovery. And it's all because he was tagged in a photo. I was 24, and I had a friend who put up 10, 15, 20, 30 pictures. It was not a picture of me, but I was off on the side of it. So it was sort of from the back and side of my head. And I did not recognize that head. (laughs) Like the hair was a little thinner. I mean, it wasn't like skin showing through, but it was a visible difference to me. The sort of emotional response was, this was not supposed to happen. And bravely, Danny brought out The damning evidence. This is the picture. The curls aren't there in the way they are in the earlier pictures, but I can't even see what you're talking about. It's all relative, right? I mean, like, that's what I said. Like, right now, if you said to me, Danny, I can give you your 2009 hair again the, the day that you realized you were losing it, I would say, thank you. I will take you up on that offer. But compared to just that, mass of hair it's less you can't really see scalp through it but it it is thinner but you were able to danny and i inspected the picture that's what caught your this is something i've done many times before with photos that capture hair loss and i wish i could offer this level of scrutiny to solving problems in other areas of my life or the world at large but i digress but at the time that was shocking to me to see What's the Danny Ortiz panic response to this? It was multifold. One, verification. So I asked the guy that I was dating at the time, like, is this actually what it looks like? He confirmed that it was. So I appreciate his honesty, but I also did not appreciate his honesty. And then I had a consultation with my stylist, like who cut my hair. And I was like, we need to deal with this. And then the other thing was like, truly that day, no more pictures from any angle but the front ever again. In terms of pictures past that moment, what would you do to make sure that that happened? 
If I knew a picture was being taken, I was going to be facing the camera and it was not going to capture past the ears. Even around 2009, keeping tabs on how you'd want to be photographed was much easier. Not everyone had smartphones and not everyone was on burgeoning social media platforms. But photos were one thing. Real life was another. And there's nothing like the efforts of a desperate person working to save their hairline. It's like a wounded soldier returning to the battlefield to fight an unwinnable war. Sitting before me were more pictures of Danny's battle against a balding adulthood. In 2010, Danny entered his first phase. This was stylist, keep it short. There was the pre-buzz cut period of 2013. This is experimenting with even less. Then, the even less, then even less phase. This was almost like, if I eventually lose it all, or I do decide we're going bald, do I have the head shape for it? Followed by a bleach era in 2014. Here's me experimenting with short and platinum. Which led us to the most recent photo from 2019. This is the almost to the scalp era, the current phase of what I'm rocking. The pictures weren't lying. Danny was losing his fight. All that being said, he told me that he did not avoid the mirror. Not only that, he began buzzing his own hair, so every couple of weeks he not only looked in the mirror, but used a second mirror to see the back of his head. Interestingly, and my God, how this resonates, he was able to kind of disassociate this view of the back of his head by never seeing it at the same time as his face, so that what his brain was telling him was, that is not you. And when the camera did come out, he was forward-facing in every picture, keeping so much of this dark truth from the world and from himself, until he went to see one of the biggest pop stars in the world. Adele was coming back to the U.S. for a tour, and my roommate and I got tickets. We were on the floor at Madison Square Garden to see Adele, like 15th row. We go to our seats, and I could throw a ball onto the stage. I'm not a good thrower. That's what that meant. That's how close we were. Not only were we close, we were also right on this center aisle, going from the stage to this sort of raised platform behind us. I know that at some point... Adele is going to move from the stage to the platform or the platform to the stage on this aisle that our seats are on. There's a stanchion and then me. Like there's no no one else between, right? So the lights go down and Adele rises from the platform behind us. The crowd goes wild. She does her opening number there, descends stairs, and makes her way to the stage. And so we're watching as she is getting closer and closer and realizing she's going to be arm's reach from us. We were going to be that close. There was at least the potential for eye contact. Adele was going to know I was there. So she made her way to the stage, did the show. She's phenomenal. She's Adele. Of course she was phenomenal. The next day, or even maybe later that night, my roommate, who was right next to me, so I was between her and Adele, says, you know, Danny, I got this great video of you and Adele. Do you want me to post it? 
And I was like, why wouldn't I want you to post? She's like, you might want to take a look at it. And it's because, remember, I was between her and Adele. So as I'm looking at the aisle, it's the back of my head to my roommate's phone camera until Adele passes. And then it's profile. This was a blatant violation of my rule that had been set, you know, six or seven years earlier of no images except from the front. Danny was about to receive a push notification with the dreaded words that will sometimes alter the course of my day. Yasmin tagged you in a photo. There was really only one option to keep the world from knowing that there were no more thick locks on the back of his head. I asked her not to post it. I'm sure that most of us at various moments in our lives have felt in conflict with a version of our projected self, our thinner or bigger or taller or younger self, and the starkness found in our photographed reality. And when faced with that reality, we've all asked ourselves, is that what I really look like? It was our anniversary last weekend, and I was chatting with some of my friends at work and I showed pictures of our wedding, like at our altar kiss. And so like, I cannot bring forth the kiss because she's taller than me. She's obviously kissing me. Like, it's not like I'm kissing her in this way. And they were like, oh, she came to you. And I was like, what do you expect? Like, I'm a short dude. When I look at the picture, if I have a belly fat, this is the first thing I look at. I was like, delete the picture and do it again. <laughs> I remember taking this picture with my wife, right? And I saw the picture. And I was not happy with how I looked. Like, I knew I was gaining weight because I could feel it, but, like, you know, it was the first time I had really actually seen it. A year and a half ago, it was a picture from the side. I didn't recognize myself. I did not know who that man was. It was a pretty intense moment of, like, wow, I know who I am, and that's not how I see myself. I'm quite conscious with how I look. That's why I don't take a lot of selfies. Particularly because I'm quite um, insecure with my double chin. <laughs> For me, there's something about glasses where there's a protective element to having my glasses on because I feel like it's just a little bit of a barrier between you know my internal scared self and the version of myself that I want to show in a photo to other people. So when I have my glasses off in a photo, I'm sort of focused on, oh, the bag's under my eyes, or maybe you can see unibrow hair in between my eyebrows. From Danny's front-only mantra to putting on our glasses to the sucking in our guts when the camera comes out, there are moves we make to control how the world sees us. But I suspect there's one picture that caught you without your glasses, or from the back. Quick snapshot at a murderous angle that may have changed your life. For Danny, it was when he saw Adele. And for me, I was painting a fence. When I was in my mid-twenties, I was working with a bunch of volunteers at an education nonprofit. Someone took a picture of a bunch of us painting a school gate, all of us sort of in the middle of this activity. And yes, this was back in my day. So I only first saw the photo when someone printed it out and taped it up on the wall. The angle of the shot captured me from the back. 
At the time, I knew I was losing my hair, but I didn't know I was losing my hair. There it was, massive recession and the beginning of a bald spot in the back of my head. I saw the picture and an icy chill ran through my body. And then I immediately walked over to the room of this young woman who I knew had a crush on me and asked if she wanted to make out. And we did. What's funny is I don't even know if this picture even exists anymore. I don't own it, and it was a photo so unremarkable in its banality that I wouldn't be surprised if it got tossed at some point. But this one picture has stayed with me for close to 20 years now. It stayed with me not only because of my program response, it was also because I had a girlfriend at the time, back home. I don't remember doing anything like that ever before, but it was like I was running on some automatic system. I looked at a photo of myself and saw a future I didn't want, so I decided to get some and feel virile, all at the cost of being a good partner. I've thought about this a lot over the years, about what happened, and for sure, a bruised ego and self-esteem were in the mix. But that wasn't enough for me to run and make out with someone. Why was this photo so threatening? What illusion was it taking away from me? The answer was time. I felt I had more time. Even though I knew I was losing hair, I could avoid it. Yes, even when looking in the mirror. Because the mirror is like a casino in Las Vegas. There are no clocks. You don't have a sense of time passing. But the photo, evidence that I was balding, showed me that time was not limitless. So the big question I've come to face, and all of us do, when we see our own back-of-the-head photo, is how do we stop time or face it? Which brings me back to Danny. Oh, when I was a kid, I was told my hair would last forever, and then it didn't. And then my roommate showed me this video, and I asked her not to post it. But then Danny decided to stop fighting time. And instead, he gave into a different sort of pride. Evidence of his eventual proximity to a pop star. I wasn't going to share a video with Adele, this awesome, like, truly once-in-a-lifetime cool thing. And so that was sort of the aha of acceptance. If you didn't catch it, that's a really quick recap of Danny explaining his ultimate decision, probably the right one, of letting the world see his shiny, beautiful head. He let his Yasmin tag him in the photo. It was like this serious reckoning in the course of a day of like, well, I want to share the picture, you know, but I don't want to show the back of my But then having these sort of obvious epiphanies of Danny... Who's going to be surprised by this? Everyone who's known you your entire adult life and who knows you now has seen you from angles other than like the 30 degrees that encompass the front and like slight lateral views. Even if they are surprised, what's the judgment going to be? So I said, yeah, go ahead, share it. And I don't think a single person thought a thing of it except... How cool! I think this happens with a lot of issues, right? Whether it's 
hair loss or if it's skin not being perfectly clear and smooth, weight gain or whatever is that's what you look like. I'm reckoning with it. Begrudging acceptance. I know people have real problems, but I don't think that means that I need to be happy about losing my hair. To give men in particular the permission to like not be okay with something, but be okay, tolerate, to talk about it and that it was an issue. And it does, it can feel silly or vain to be bothered by losing it, but it is bothersome. We don't need to deny that. I don't want it to take me down to a pit of despair, but it is bothersome. I have to say that an unexpected and lovely part of going bald has been experiencing a communal joy that men seem to have in relating to it. I love it. Balding has become this real male bonding thing. In my experience, bald men love talking to other bald men about their hair loss journey. Or maybe it's something I seek out. It's given me another way to relate to other men. But these conversations about balding usually end there, at the top of our heads. Which is why Danny's next question honestly caught me off guard. We're going to risk being superficial, vain, silly, whatever. Physically, what are you happy with right now on yourself and your own appearance? And even though I was surprised by Danny's question, I had a response. My face, generally, I feel like I've grown into my face really well. I like my legs, for the most part, my hands and my forearms, making this very gendered. There's elements that I like about the range of masculinities that show up on my body. I like the arm hair. I like the forearms that I have. And when I asked Danny, he had a response too. It sounds cheesy, but um, my eyes, but like not necessarily like, oh, because of the color, just because apparently they're quite expressive. I put up a picture like looking happy in a mask and a couple people mentioned like, even in a mask, you still look happy. That's a good thing. So I like that. You do have a lot of magic in your eyes. (laughs) And given the chance, when most men are asked what they do like seeing about themselves in photos, they have a response too. For some, it's right there on their face. If my smile looks good, that's a primary factor. I think I look best when I have a clean, shaven face. For others, It's a more intangible essence. The picture that comes to mind for me is a picture of me on a bike with my dog, Quentin, in a dog backpack. And I have my folding helmet on and he just is like having so much fun, like letting the wind kind of blow through his hair. And I love that photo because it reminds me of the sort of the feeling of satisfaction and self-worth that I get out of kind of having adopted this very anxious, small, mini Aussie. When you see yourself in a photo now, what is the best thing that you see? My soul, there's an aliveness to me that I'm, I'm not trying to hide anything from anyone anymore. It's not that there's no mask because there is. It's that it's not the thing, I don't lead with the mask anymore. I'm not one for mantras. I can't stomach when people say things like, love yourself, flaws and all. 
But I am okay with taking a moment to go, here's something magical I see in you. Admittedly, I don't do it as much for myself. I probably should. But I have told the mirror that I am onto it. I know it's lying to me from time to time. And like Danny, I am becoming less reactive when Yasmin tags me in her photos. Do your worst, Yaz. Let the world see my bald truth. As two bald men are wont to do, Danny and I looked and bonded over the bald archive. That was Danny's Adele concert video. How is it to rewatch? Is it mostly just an artifact of that concert at this point? Yes and no. Uh, it was the beginning of my like being okay with this. You know, I sort of, I look at it, there were kind of three eras. There was having less hair and figuring that out. There was having less hair, not being okay with it. And then there was having little hair and being okay with it. So that to me still is the beginning of being okay with it. What's really funny (laughs) in watching it is how briefly you see the back of my head (laughs) at all. It is truly in a flash. Like You you could actually miss it watching the video. You could not even know. This season, we sit with six men and six images. We'll tell the stories of how men imagine, react to, and grapple with the way images portray their masculine identity. And before we go, I want to say that I don't really go to big concerts these days. There are too many people. It's too expensive. And when I say that, it makes me feel older than I'd like. This doesn't mean I don't appreciate an invite every once in a while, a chance to feel goofy and young again, which is why when Danny asked me to join him to see Janet Jackson live, I had no choice but to say yes. I mean, how else do you start a new season? Ah, the things I do for this show. I'm Mark Pagan, and this is Other Men Need Help Season 4. This season was written, hosted, and executive produced by Mark Pagan. Our season's lead producers are Caitlin May Burke, Ben Goldberg, and Rebecca Seidel. Navani Otero is our producer. Shanice Tendall is our associate producer. Rebecca is our lead engineer. Ben Goldberg is our lead editor. Our researchers this season are Bay Wang and Shanice Tendall. Tuck Woodstock is our sensitivity listener. Noah Hofelder is our intern. Season 4 production mascots are Soka, the furry baby, and the late, sweet, pity pig named Lena. If you listen closely, you can hear her snoring in some of the tape this season. Original music this season comes from Fulton Street Music Group, composed by Ed Duran, produced by Alex Fulton, with additional instrumentation by Ryan Chamberlain and Liam Moore. 
As well, other original music this season comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Season four illustrations done by the magical hands of Daniel De La Huerta. Special thanks to a range of voices this episode, Mahdi Barajeth, Taps Brugada, Mike Coe, Reed Davenport, Andrew Nadkarni, and Harvey Katz. And special thanks to Danny. I appreciate the invite. If you take 20 seconds right now to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it's a huge help. And if you take a screenshot of your review and send it to us, we'll mail you an Other Men button. Just email us at othermenneedhelp at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, adios. Ciao, ciao. What was 30 to 40 something, Danny, in your mind when you were 18? At that point, I was probably going to be done dancing with Janet. So it was sort of like, oh, at that point, I could maybe transition more on helping other performers out with, you know, <laughs> uh, having the background and doing it and touring the world with Janet t- two, maybe three times by that point. Uh, and then we'd still stay friends. So I'd still, you know, have lunch with her and touch up her lip gloss now and then. <laughs> <laughs>